How about you? Amen. Amen. Well, two of you want, want to be here with me. That's, that's a start. Praise the Lord. See if we can get the rest of you on board this time. How many of you glad, glad to be in the house of the Lord? Can I hear you? There you go. There you go. Well, I truly am glad to be here this morning. And uh, it's very rare that Miss Donna and I miss church, but we had to miss last week for various reasons. But we are glad to be back in the Lord's house today and uh, to be with our, our family and our friends in the faith. What a beautiful looking crowd this is that I'm looking at today. I'm telling you, we got a good crowd this morning. We've got a few visitors today. I would I'd like to recognize a uh, man by the name of Steve Densick, I think is the way you say his last name. Is that right? Correct? He is a ministerial uh, credential candidate with the Church of God, and he was assigned to visit a church today, and so they told him to come over here to Spirit Life. So he's here hanging out with us today just to see how we do things, and uh, Hopefully, he'll enjoy his time here, and then he'll get to go back to his church next week. But Steve, we're glad to have you tell your pastor, Brother Ricky, that I said hello, okay? Uh, he attends Harvest just around the corner here with Ricky Donovan is their pastor, and a wonderful church down there. But we're glad you're here with us today enjoying it. And we also understand that we've got some folks from Wisconsin today, is that right? Did I... Minnesota. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to plague you like that. <laughs> Minnesota today, and uh, they're here visiting. They've been here before, but I'm glad that they're with us today. Now, let me tell you something. If, if, you're, uh, if you're trying to figure out who the most valuable players are in terms of the people who are inviting the most and bringing the most, the award goes to uh, the Armstrong family. Uh, that's right. They, they have invited and they have been responsible for getting so many people to come uh, that they've actually had to split up and go to two different uh, rows. So praise the Lord. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you guys can invite people too. It, it, it's not just the Armstrong family. I mean, everybody can invite someone and it'd be a good thing. Uh, our church is doing well and I'm so thankful for all of you. I truly am. Thank you for your prayers this week for the Decker family. Uh, I was uh, able to be a part of that uh, funeral service, and some of you were there, and thank you so much for going by either on Thursday night or Friday morning and expressing your love and your appreciation. Remember Kay. I'm sure that Kay is online with us this morning. Kay, we love you, and even though you're not here this morning, you are part of our family. And uh, we send you hugs today, and we know that you'll be all right. Uh, your family and your friends love you, and we're going to be praying for her over the next few weeks and months. You know, grief looks different to everyone. It, it manifests itself in many different ways. It, it can be long, short. Uh, it can be intense. It can be a little more relaxed, but grief is grief. How many of you know that? It's a very personal thing. So as she moves through this grief cycle in her life, we just want her to know that she has a church family that will be praying for her. For those of you who know her and are acquainted with her, reach out to her during this time. Send her a card in the mail. If you don't have her address, Erlene will help you with that. Uh, just call the church office 
and just let her know that we are um, loving on her and praying for her and caring for her during this time. So thank you so much for those of you who are praying and praying for me. This was a busy week for me. I mean, I was literally just running from here to there to here to there. And there were times that I was running so quickly that I, I just, I wasn't sure where I was going next. But the Lord, Lord helped me to show up at the right places at the right time. And so it must have been because you were praying for me. And I appreciate that so very much. Amen. So today, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to take them and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. And I would like for you, while you're turning there, after you have gotten there in your Bible, I'd like for you to turn to your neighbor and look at them square in the eyes. And I would like for you to say to them, it's time for you to bounce back, baby. It, it's time for you to bounce back, baby. I want to talk to you today for a few moments about divine resiliency. The ability to bounce back when life has not treated you fairly. When you have not been treated squarely. When people have come against you and they've, they've done all kinds of aggravating things or you've had issues in your life you've had to deal with, it seemed as though you weren't going to make it, that you wouldn't get through, but you're still here and you're going to make it. One of my favorite commercials on television right now is for a drug, an, actually an arthritis uh, um, procedure that they do where they inject things into the kneecap and they have this golfer by the name of Lee Trevino. How many of you remember Lee? And uh, they, they signed him to do these commercials and one of the lines is he said whatever the name of the drug is I don't remember it said it got me back in the game baby. Yeah. How many of you have seen that? I like that. I like that. Because there are times in our lives when we just need to get back in the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, life's been tough. We've had difficult times. But we can get back in the game. Not long ago, I'd like for you to take your hand and put it out like this, if you would, and rest it on your Bible or somewhere. And then I'd like for you to reach down and just pinch your hand a little bit like this until your skin comes up between your fingers. And now let go of it. How many of you have skin that's still standing up? Can I, can I see your hands? How, ma how many of you, when you pinched yourself, it immediately went back down flat? Can I see your hands? If you go to the doctor, they will do that. They will ask you to do that because they want to see if you're dehydrated or not. They want to make sure you have enough liquid in your body. For those of you whose skin is still standing up, you might want to dismiss yourself right now and go get a drink of water or something because you don't have any elasticity in your hand at all because it's too dry. It's a test that they run to see where you are that way. Uh, if we could do that exercise in terms of our spirit and our soul, there would be some of us that today, our soul is at rest, we're feeling good about life, 
we're experiencing the joy of the Lord and for others of you your soul has been standing up dry for a long time and it just has not flexed back I just want to let you know today that it's time for you to bounce back baby the Spirit of God is alive and well within us all and he can strengthen us and he is the joy that we experience in our lives listen happiness is all about what happens in life and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not and sometimes it affects us negatively but the joy of the Lord remains in us because the Spirit of God lives and resides within us so even when things are not going well we can still be at peace we can still experience joy because he is our joy amen, amen. how about a big loud amen how would that amen, amen. now sound now look back at your hand see if it went flat yet because if it didn't we may need to call the ambulance for some of you and make sure that you're okay now this passage of scripture in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verses 8 through 10 is one that most of us know we've read it many times no doubt we've heard it preached about several times the Apostle Paul is writing this to the Corinthian church and by this time he has written to the Corinthians church on four different occasions and there have been times that he was praising them for for their mindset saying you're doing a good job way to go and then there were other times that he was just saying yeah, and I always, one of my favorite statements was when he said, don't make me come over there and talk to you. <laughs> he said, because if I, if I have to come there to where you are, I'm not going to hold anything back. And if you don't think I have the right, then you are sadly mistaken. Because I have been appointed by God to oversee your soul. And so if I have to come, and if I have to have a conversation with you, I'm going to shoot straight with you and you're not going to like it. In this instance, he takes a little different approach. Because what he's trying to say to them is this. I know that you're going through some tough times. I know that you're going through some difficult times. He's talking to the church and he said one of the reasons that the church is struggling so bad right now is because many of you can't even get along with each other. Never mind that you can't get along with your neighbor or your wife, or your spouse, your husband, or your kids. You can't even get along with your church family, and so it's impossible for God to bless you the way that he would want to. He said, I understand that. I understand that's where you're living right now. But I also want you to understand that I'm living in that same place right now. I'm living in a very difficult time in my life. But I want you to know that as bad as things are for me right now, I refuse to give up. I have hope that God is going to see me through. And I am going to make a grand comeback no matter what the cost. And that's really what he's saying to them. So let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8, 9, and 10. He says, we are afflicted in every way. Say every way. But I'm not crushed. He said, I'm perplexed, but I'm not despairing. He said, I'm persecuted, but I am not abandoned. I am struck down, but listen, I am not destroyed. Now, we know that well, but notice this next verse that we don't know quite as well. 
He said, always carrying around in the body, say my body, the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in my body. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments, but that is the divine resilience that I want us to be filled with today. I want us to know beyond any shadow of a doubt before we leave this house today that even though these bodies are decaying and even dying, Jesus himself died upon a cross. But he didn't stay dead. They couldn't keep him in a grave. Three days later, he got up, got up, got up, got up out of that grave, and he ascended into the heavenlies where he ever lives, the Bible says, to make intercession for the saints of God. And though we are going to die one of these days, all of us, now don't tell your neighbor that. They don't, they don't know that yet. They're still, they're still hoping their skin will go back flat here in a few minutes. We're all going to die, but listen, as I was dealing with that funeral this week, I was talking to them about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and how that one of these days those graves are going to burst open and those of us who may be laying in one of those graves because our body has died, we're going to get up out of that grave and be resurrected throughout eternity. Amen? Can you say praise the Lord for that? And he said, even though my body carries around the dying of Jesus, the life of Jesus may also be revealed in my body. I'm thankful for that. So I want to point out the four things that he mentions here and just make some comments. And then we're going to end our service today with prayer. Because I dare say that many of us are standing in the need of prayer in one of these areas of our lives. Now, the first thing that he talked about was being afflicted. He, he talked about in verse 8, he said, We are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. Now, this word affliction is a reference to the kinds of sickness and ailment and disease that may touch our bodies in our lifetime. Paul was saying, I'm not feeling real good right now. He didn't identify what was wrong with him, but he's saying, I'm dealing with some form of affliction in my life right now. Now, historians tell us that Paul could not see very well. Now, I don't know what kind of affliction that he had upon his eyes, but historians and people who wrote in the time that Paul Live. They all affirm the fact that he could not see very well. How many of you can see very well? Can I see your hands? Uh, some of you are like me. You carry these things around on your face so that you can see, so that it will affect. One time he wrote and he said, You see the letter that I'm writing you and what large letters that I'm using to write to you. And, and it, it is clear that he had some issues with his eyesight. 
Now listen, whether it's your eyesight or whether it's a, a bellyache or, or, or whether or not it's, it's, it's a, 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 you, you know, you have to take a tome every now and then because you ate too much pizza late at night or whatever it is, these bodies are susceptible to things uh, that cause us not to feel very well. We don't feel very good. And he was saying, he was saying, look, I am experiencing some type of affliction. And let me put it in context now. He's kind of letting the Corinthians know, I don't like your attitude right now. I don't like the way that you're living right now. There are some things that need to be corrected in your lifestyle before Christ. And you're wearing me out. I'm not feeling good myself. And here I am having to deal with you in this context. How many of you parents have ever had to do that? Your child was sick. They had a fever. They were maybe vomiting or whatever it is that they were afflicted with or sick with. And you were sick yourself. How many of you mamas have ever taken care of a sick child when you yourself were so sick that you couldn't hardly get out of bed? Can I see your hands? All of you. How many of you daddies have ever done it? Two of you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> there were a few more hands than two that went up. That's what he was saying to them. He was saying, look, he said, you know, in this time, you're acting the way you're acting. You're living the way you're living. You're on the verge of giving up your faith. And here I am trying to struggle to keep my own self together. And I'm having to worry about you and take care of you and talk you through your situation when you ought to be strong enough in the faith now that you can pray for your own self. That you can read the scripture and the manuscripts for your own self. When you can encourage one another in the faith. Instead, in my moment of affliction, I have to have you on my mind. And that's what he's saying to them. He's saying affliction and persecution. And then people were telling him, you don't, even, you, you don't even know who you are. You have no place in our life. The Corinthians, now listen, Paul's the one who started the Corinthian church. He's the one who, who put it all in place because God helped him to do that. And they're saying, well, you're, you, you know, how can you say you're our pastor? How can you say that you're uh, our apostle? How can you say you're not even here half the time? You know, you're traveling the world. You're, you're in jail. You're in prison. You're going out and making people mad, and they put you in jail. They whip you, and then you want to come back and say you're the pastor. Yeah, I sometimes wonder how you'd feel about that if I showed up about once every six months and came in here and said, oh, by the way, I don't like the way you're living. I want you to straighten up and fly right. Don't make me come over there and talk to you personally because you're not going to like it if I have to do that. You know what you'd feel? You'd say, who in the world do you think you are? Jonathan's been preaching and, and pastoring the church. You haven't been. He's here every day. Where have you been? That's kind of the conversation that was going on here with the Apostle Paul. Who do you think you are? coming and talking to us in this manner. And Paul's saying, look, I don't care if I've been there or not. I am the man that has been assigned to you by God, and I take that responsibility seriously. And so I am here, and I'm here to have this conversation. And I'm here at a time when I don't feel good myself. I'm afflicted, and I am persecuted. And he could have just gotten discouraged, and he could have just woe is me. He could have just got 
gotten down. He could have gotten a bad attitude. He could have slugged somebody in the nose. I mean, all of these manifestations of this, this context. But you know what he said? He said, look, don't count me out. I'm not crushed. I may be afflicted, but this game's not over yet because God's on my side. I can make it through this situation. And here's what he was trying to say to them. If I can go through what I'm going through, and if I can deal with what I'm dealing with, then surely you can stand as well. Surely you can face your battles and not be crushed by it. He said, I've been afflicted and persecuted, but I have not been crushed. Psalm chapter 34, verses 17 through 18 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and rescues them from all their trouble. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Paul said, I'm not crushed. But the psalmist admits that there are some people who are crushed in spirit. But then he comes back and he says, if you're crushed in spirit, if you'll cry out to the Lord, he will hear you and he will deliver you and he will save you from your spirit being crushed. How many of you need that today? And then Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, I, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Every time I read this passage of Scripture, I remember when I was at youth camp years ago, and I hadn't learned to swim very well, and it was swim time, and we went to the pool. And they gave me these little floaties to put on because I wasn't a good swimmer. I had not passed the swimming test and so he gave me these floaties, and me being the dummy that I am, didn't know how to put them on, I sat down on the side of the pool, and I put the floaties on my feet first. <laughs> I had not put them on my arms yet, and I was sitting on the side of the pool, and somebody shoved me, and into the pool I went, and my head went straight to the bottom of the pool, and my feet were floating up as high as they could float. Let me explain to you, that is not the proper way to use floaties or to try to learn how to swim. Just doesn't work very well. And it had not been for that lifeguard who came by and grabbed my floaties around my ankles and pulled me up out of the water, I wouldn't be your pastor today. But listen, you know what God's saying to us today is, He said, listen, even when you put your floaties in the wrong place at the wrong time, I am there for you, and I will not let the water overflow you and take you because I'm there. Aren't you glad He's there in every moment? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Then He talks about being perplexed. Now, the first thing that he mentions, he's talking about his body. He's saying, I'm a, I don't feel good. There, there are things in my body that just aren't, aren't good, but yet I'm not giving up. I'm not crushed. I'm not overdone. I'm going to make it. But then he says, but I'm, I'm perplexed. He said, I'm perplexed to the point that I'm in despair. Now, do you know what that word perplexed means? It just, have you ever been in one of those moments when you're trying to analyze a situation and you can't figure it out? And it, it, it's almost just like scratching your head and saying, oh, my Lord, I can't, I can't figure this out. I'm perplexed by this. 
I don't know. If you've ever had to go through um, a series of times where doctors are trying to work with you and all that, and they come and they run these tests, and they'll say, no, that's not it. And then they'll run another test. And they'll say, well, no, that's not it. Or, or maybe it's a it's pharmacist, and we got two of them here, with, so I want to be real careful what I say, but pharmacists will look at your prescription, and they'll look at it, and, and, and then you come back and say, that didn't work, and it's like, oh, well, you know, that should have worked. It's supposed to do this. Didn't do that. You know, we need to try something different. Tell your doctor we need to do something different. Right? And we're just perplexed because we don't know what in the world is going on and what in the world is going to happen next. But here's what he says. He says, I am perplexed, but I'm not despairing. I could despair if I'd let myself despair, but I refuse to despair over this situation. And why is that? Because he knew the promises of God. James chapter 1 says this in verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Now, anybody here lack wisdom in a certain area of your life? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will given, be given to him. He's, he's not going to point his finger at you and say, why are you being such an idiot? Why? It's without reproach. If you ask without reproach, he's, he's not going to do something for one and not do it for others, and he's not going to point his finger at you and say, if you weren't so stupid, you wouldn't be in this situation. If you just go to him and say, Lord, I absolutely am without knowledge here. I'm, I'm absolutely without the understanding of this situation. I can't apply wisdom yet because I don't have any knowledge and I don't have the understanding and I've got to have that before I can apply the wisdom and you've got to help me. And, and the Word says that if you lack it, all you've got to do is go to Him and say, give it to me. But you know I like to do this every now and then just so that you'll get the picture. We think that God will just automatically pour all of this into our into our head and, and just say, Lord, in this minute, I need all the wisdom of the Word. I've never read the Word. I don't know what the Word says. I don't even know how many books of the Bible there are, but I pray that you'll just transfer all the knowledge that's in this book into my head. How many of you know it doesn't work that way? But if you go to him and say, I need wisdom and I need knowledge and I need understanding, he will give it to you either by his word or through a prophetic word or through a preacher or through a song or through a friend or through a neighbor or through a spouse. God will give you the wisdom that you need. And he said, I am perplexed because I don't understand this situation, but I am not despairing because I know God knows all about it, and he is able to give me the wisdom I need. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. How many of you know that God is directing our path? He's laying things out so that we can get where we need to be. He's putting people in your path so that they can share wisdom with you and knowledge and understanding so that you can be successful and so that you don't have to be despairing of the situation. You don't have to be perplexed. I like to call them aha moments when you are just struggling to understand the situation. 
struggling to understand this, not knowing why, and you start praying and asking God to reveal to you what you need to know about that situation. And then God, in whatever way He chooses to do so, He turns the light on for you. And you know, it's an aha moment. It's an aha moment where your mind says, Oh, now I understand. Now I understand. The other night I was hot. I was in bed. I was hot. And I got up and I decided I'm taking my shirt off. Now don't let that disturb any of you. <laughs> It'll be all right. And I got up and I took my shirt off. And instead of laying it nicely on the chair, I just threw it in the floor. So about an hour later or so, I decided I was going to get up, go get a drink of water. Use the bathroom. Don't let that disturb you either. And then I was going to go back to bed. I forgot about throwing the shirt in the floor. And when I got up and I started walking across the floor, my feet got tangled up in the shirt that I had thrown on the floor, and I started stumbling in the darkness. And my mind immediately said, What in the world has Donna done? <laughs> what has she put in the floor? for my demise. And then, then I remembered it wasn't her at all. It was me. I was the dummy that put the shirt in the middle of the floor of all places where I was going to have to walk. Once I understood that, I was able to pick it up and lay it on the chair and the danger had been diverted. And I'm still alive. I didn't break anything. Can you, can you say praise the Lord? So perplexed directs our paths. And then thirdly, he says, struck down but not destroyed. Now look at those two words, struck down. How many of you have ever struck yourself down? Can I see your hands? So a lot of you put your hands up. I want to know how you did that. How can anybody strike yourself down? What do you do? Go look in the mirror and start saying, all right, you deserve this. Ah. Ah. Uh. Uh. Beat yourself up. You say, man, you didn't get enough. I'm going to whip you some more. Whip yourself some more. You know, now, while we might never beat ourselves up with our fists, I mean, we don't go get our Louisville slugger and hit ourselves in the back or anything like that. We don't, we don't beat ourselves up that way, but we beat ourselves up with this, and we beat ourselves up with this, but this is not what Paul's talking about. He's not saying, I'm not struggling with the, th with the things that I have damaged myself with. He said, I'm talking about what other people have done to me. I'm talking about people who have beat me. They have striped my back. They have put me in prison for no cause. They have done things to me that I did not deserve. How many have ever been in those shoes? Somebody treated you disrespectfully. Or they treated you in such a way that was unfair to you because you did not deserve it. I dare say that many of us, if not most of us, have been in that situation. And you know what happens when somebody treats us poorly? We don't deserve it. Makes us mad. Makes me mad. Does it make you mad? Oh, thank God. So, 
I was thinking I was the only unholy person in the house today. I've had people say things, not here, not at this church, not that I'm aware of. Haven't said anything to my face. I, other places, they got right in my face and told me exactly what they thought of me. You know, it's hurtful. It's painful. You have a desire to want to just punch them right in the face. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Or, or, or this. I'm never talking to them again. I tell you what, I'm never even going to walk down the same aisle at church with them ever again. First church I ever pastored. I, I, I knew something was wrong in the congregation, but I wasn't really sure what it was. And then I began to realize that there were two ladies in that church that hated each other's guts. Now that's strong language, I know. But that might be mild compared to what the reality was. They could not stand each other. Still attended the same church. One sat on one side, one sat on the other side. They'd never speak to each other. They'd never shake hands with each other. If their eyes did catch, it was one of those darting kind of, I wish I could catch you out in the back alley one of these nights. I'd lay hands on you and whatever. They just couldn't stand each other. And one day we were having a wonderful service. And I don't know why, but I was preaching about unity <laughs> of all things. And talking about if the church was ever going to grow and if we were ever going to be productive in the community, we were going to have to do some things different that would help us to look different to the community because what they were seeing in that congregation or of that congregation made no one want to come to our church. So I got down to the time when I was giving the altar call. And all of a sudden I saw those two ladies get up. We had several people in the altar and one went that way and when one went the other and I wasn't really all that surprised by that and they came around one stood on that side and one stood on the other side and then I know I I noticed I think what might have been the first miracle that has ever been performed in a church that I've pastored because both of those ladies looked at each other and I'm thinking is this going to be a fight because <laughs> Because I, I, you know, it's okay, you know, but I don't really want to get in between these two ladies. And they just kind of gave this nod to one another. And when they did, they started coming to the middle. Just like a boxing match, I promise you. I was looking around for my striped shirt. Where is it? I'm going to have to referee this thing. And they came all the way to the front and they came to each other. And when they did, they, they put their hands out like this. And they took one another's hands. And they started weeping crocodile tears. And they started hugging. And they started smiling. And then they started laughing. And then they started hugging. It was the most beautiful sight that I had ever seen to that point in ministry. It was amazing to me. And you know what was interesting to me? Is they couldn't even remember why they were mad in the first place. They just got into the habit of it. And they just carried it on for years and years and years. Let me, let me explain something to you today. There are going to be times in life when you will have family members, you will have friends, you may even have a church member or two. You may have people that you work with that just irritate the life out of you. But let me tell you, if you allow that thing to become hard in your heart, it will, it will cause you to feel as though that person hates you, and that may not be the case at all. 
What Paul was saying is, is that I've had people strike me down. I mean, this is more than just mere words of offense. He literally took stripes on his body just like Jesus did. He was beat up. He was put in jail. They put bonds and chains upon his hands, upon his feet. But he said, in the midst of all of that, they did not destroy me. They did not silence me. They did not shut me up. In fact, historians will tell us, and we know that it's true, that in his darkest moments, when he was in prison, when he was in chains, uh, he started writing the Word of God as he was moved upon by the Holy Spirit. And much of the New Testament today are the words of Paul as he wrote from a prison cell. So what am I telling you today? I'm telling you that whatever your situation, whatever somebody has done to you, you don't have to take offense. You have to choose to be offended. And you can also choose not to be offended. Now, you don't have to laugh in anybody's face, but you can secretly say, you know, I know they thought they were hurting me, but they didn't hurt me. I have the Spirit of God living within me. And I am not offended by this situation. How many of you want to live your life not offended by what has happened to you in your past? Can I see your hands? Amen. There you go. If you were my son, I'd say, that's my boy. <laughs> if you were my daughter, I'd say, that's my girl. Way to go. We get to choose it. And Paul said, no, you can't, you can't put offense on me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12 says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, it says, and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then Timothy said it like this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Is that a promise that you wanted to hear today? It's a promise of God. We will at some point be persecuted. So you need to go ahead and choose now. How are you going to deal with it when that person tries to offend you? Just look at them and smile and under your breath, pray for them. Lord, whatever it is that has hurt them to the point that they would try to reach out and hurt me, solve it for them. Resolve that situation. And Lord, I pray that you will bless them and favor them higher and greater than they ever assumed was possible in their life. The problem sometimes is that we just don't want them to be blessed more than we are. We don't want them to get favor greater than our favor. But listen, what we should be praying and expecting is, is that God will elevate them to the level of usefulness and the kingdom of God that he has for them, even if it makes us look like a pauper. No amens there. That's okay. And now let's talk about this last thing he said. He talked about carrying the dying of Jesus. Now, some of you might get upset with me today right here, and that's okay. I've, I've already chosen not to be offended. 
Our modern church is all about being blessed and all about being favored and all about prosperity. But listen, the, the Word of God says that there are times that we're going to have to suffer for the sake of Christ. There are times that we're going to have to carry the cross. <clears throat> the Bible says that we'll have to pick up our cross daily in order that he might be glorified in us. And Paul just said it differently. He said, every day I am carrying with my body the dying of Jesus. Just like he died, I have to be willing to die to self and die to sin. Die to my hopes. Die to my dreams. And make sure that he is preeminent in my life at all times. It was Paul who said, it is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. Next somebody, time somebody irritates you, just under your breath, just say, Lord, it's no longer I that live, it's you. You're living in me. Your spirit is alive within me. So what would you do in this situation right now? And I dare say that he won't say to you, punch him in the nose. I'm, I'm guessing, I, I'm, I'm not sure that's true, but I'm pretty, pretty sure that he's going to say, forgive them even as I forgave you. Can I be honest with you? There's a lot of stuff in this Bible that I don't like at all. It just doesn't fit my personality. I just rather, just rather clock them and be done with it. You know what I'm saying? I'd just rather give them a piece of my mind and then I'd like to say, well, it's just who I am. I've always been like this and it, if you want me around, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> then can I be honest with you? I don't want you around. I want Christ-like people around. I want to be Christ-like. I want to carry in my body the dying of Jesus because I know that if I'm willing to do that, that there's coming a resurrection morning. Because just like I'm going to carry the dying in my body of my Jesus, I'm also going to experience the resurrection of the Jesus that I serve and who loves me. Resurrection's coming. Resurrection's on the way. Resurrection, where he lifts us up. You say, I know, but that's end times. You know, we don't get to res get resurrected until Jesus comes again and all that. What are we going to do in the meantime? Then get resurrected over your offense. Get resurrected over your attitude. Get resurrected over your situation. Get your finances resurrected by the principles of the Word of God. Get yourself resurrected and bounce back, baby. It's time. You know what this is? It's a hair tie. I was looking for rubber bands today and I couldn't find a rubber band. So our children's director, Becca, she said, oh wait, I have one of these. And I said, yeah, but won't you need it when you get in there with the kids and they start tearing you, you know, from limb to limb and all that? Won't, we, won't you need to put your hair up and all that? She said, I, don't, I, I rarely use these. She said, I bring them for the kids. She said, you can have it. 
I said, praise the Lord. I'm cut my hair up in a bun. No, I'm not going to do that. Did you know that if I just stand here and look at that, this thing is absolutely no good whatsoever? You know that, right? I mean, it, it serves really no purpose at all other than for you to say, I have one. Do you know when this thing really becomes useful? Is when you stretch it. Now that's about as far as that one will go. Some of you have some that will stretch further. But it's the stretching that makes this useful. Did you know that when life stretches you, that's when you're most useful to the kingdom of God? So we don't like to be stretched because it takes us out of our comfort zone. We'd rather just lay around on our little lazy boy recliner just like this little thing, just put it on the table and say, I got one of those. What do you use it for? Nothing. What's it good for? Nothing. Why do you have it? I don't know. Everybody else has one. So I have one too. It's in the stretching that it becomes useful. Now this one's not long enough. Why, as a kid, we get rubber bands off the teacher's desk. Justin, go ahead and start coming. I'm going to need some help shutting up today. I didn't get to preach last week. I wouldn't have, even if I'd have been here, I wouldn't have got to preach last week because it was John's turn. But I used to get them like this, and then we get spitballs. How many, how many of you ever did spitballs? Slobber all over them. <laughs> and, then, and then just kind of wrap it right in there, and then you pull that baby back, and whoever you wanted to hit, just whoom, launched that, got Lee. See, as soon as I did that, he reached out and he went like that. And the bigger the band and the, and the more stretch you can put on it, the more impactful it was. You know what I'm saying? We had this one kid in my class, his name was Stanley Walters. And when the teacher wasn't looking, he'd take his spitballs and he'd go like that. And above his desk in class, on the ceiling, above where he sat, there were so many spitballs stuck to the ceiling that you can't even imagine. I tried to count them one day and couldn't count them all. I don't know how long he'd been shooting spitballs. But he did. Then we get tired of doing spitballs, and then we did, we pulled one of these. We kind of wrap it right there, bring it around the thumb. Well, this one's not big enough. If I had a real rubber band, don't you come after me, I'll shoot you right between the eyes. How many of you ever did that? All the guys, their hands went up. Say, oh yeah, how many of you girls ever do that? Oh. Look out for you. Well, you shoot people with it. Now, we Christians, we'd say, I'm going to shoot you, and when you get hit with this rubber band, you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
make something spiritual out of it, but not. Where'd it go? Who'd I get? Did I get Donna? The point I'm trying to make here is this. If you want to be useful, if you want to be successful, you're going to have to let God stretch you. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, listen, I've learned how to recognize when I am carrying in my body the death of my Lord Jesus Christ, but I also recognize that the resurrection of the Lord is in me as well. And he'll stretch us and help us to become who we need to be. Stand with me if you will. I want the prayer team to come, if you will. Get in place. In this passage of Scripture that I selected today, there are really three things that we talked about that could be affecting your life. One of them is affliction. You may have something in your life today, some, some physical or emotional affliction. It's just, I mean, it's after you all the time. You're sick, you're discouraged, you're frustrated. How many of you know that God can heal bodies? And he can heal minds. If you need healing in your body from that affliction, I want you to come up here and let them pray with you. Some of you are almost despairing. You're perplexed because you don't know how this happened. You don't know why it happened. And you don't know what the answer is going to look like. How many of you know that God can help you to get the wisdom that you need if you'll ask him? And then for the rest of you, some of you, you're dealing with something that somebody else said about you. Something that somebody else did. For some of you, it may have been years and years ago and you've carried it all this time. Don't you think it would feel really good to lay that all down at the feet of Jesus and let him heal that hurt? So as they begin to sing this song, I want you to step out of your seat and come whatever your need is today and let us pray with you today. Come on.